If you have a Bible or the app on your phone, join me in uh, the book of Proverbs. We're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures this morning, um, but we're going to start in Proverbs, and we'll get there shortly. We'll be in Proverbs 3. That's where we're going to start. As you're finding Proverbs 3, I, I want to read to you an article written by John Piper, a pastor, teacher, um, leader of the DesiringGod.org website. And he wrote this article back in 2013. And the title of it is this, Parents Require Obedience. I just want you to listen to what he has to say. This is just an excerpt from that article. He writes, I am writing this to plead with Christian parents to require obedience of their children. I am moved to write this by watching young children pay no attention to their parents' requests with no consequences. Parents tell a child two or three times to sit or stop and come or go, and after the third disobedience, they laughingly bribe the child. And this may or may not get the behavior desired. Last week, I saw two things that prompted this article. One was the killing of 13-year-old Andy Lopez in Santa Rosa, California, by police who thought he was about to shoot them with an assault rifle. It was a toy gun. What made this relevant was that the police said they told the boy two times to drop the gun. Instead, he turned it on them, and they fired. He says, I do not know the details of that situation or if Andy even heard the commands. So I can't say for sure he was insubordinate. So my point here is not about young Lopez himself. It's about a what if. What if he heard the police and simply defied what they said? If that is true, it cost him his life. Such would be the price of disobeying proper authority. I witnessed such a scenario in the making on a plane last week. I watched a mother preparing her son to be shot. I was sitting behind her and her son. He may have been seven years old. He was playing on his digital tablet. The flight attendant announced that all electronic devices should be turned off for takeoff. He didn't turn it off. The mother didn't require it. As the flight attendant walked by, she said he needed to turn it off. He didn't do it. The mother didn't require it. One last time, the flight attendant stood over them and said that the boy would need to give the device to his mother. He turned it off. When the flight attendant took her seat, the boy turned his device back on and kept it on through the takeoff. The mother did nothing. I thought to myself, she is training him to be shot by police. The defiance and laziness of non-Christian, unbelieving parents, I can understand. I have biblical categories of the behavior of the spiritually blind, but the neglect of Christian parents perplexes me, he says. Now, maybe John Piper is being extreme when he describes this young boy as being unwilling to turn off his tablet as preparing himself to be shot by police. Maybe he's being extreme there. But I think the point about parents expecting obedience from their children it, is worth considering. And we've all been there, right? I mean, if you're a parent or you're a child, you've, either, you've been on both ends, right? As a child, your parents asked you to do things and you just willingly defied and didn't do it. As a parent, there have been times, multiple times, many times in, in our parenting 
where we've asked children to do things and they haven't. So we've been there. And as we step back into this study on missional parenting, what we've learned so far is that the goal or the purpose, what we're, what we're aiming for, right, what we're going for is creating an environment where our children see the value of following Jesus and loving him with all their hearts. And these principles are not just um, applicable to, to parents, right? We, Kyle talked about this a couple weeks ago where if, if you're a disciple, then you are, and it's kind of expected that you're in a discipling relationship with someone. You're discipling someone. You're a spiritual father or spiritual mother. So one of the things that you should be equipping and, and teaching those you're discipling is, is obedience, obedience to Christ. And so these are principles that don't just apply to parents, but they apply to everyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus. And, and in our study, we've looked primarily at the book of Proverbs, the Father in Proverbs, and other scriptures, and we've learned so far that to create this environment, um, we need to equip and disciple our kids to fear the Lord, to respect and listen to God's word, to receive discipline. And this morning, we're going to see that to create this environment, it also involves discipling our children to obey their parents. And so I want to look at a lot of scripture this morning so we can see this from scripture. Then I want to ask the question, why? Why should we expect obedience? Why should we as followers of Jesus live in obedience to Jesus? So if you're in Proverbs chapter 3, I just want to look at some of these scriptures. Proverbs 3 this morning, as we look at creating this environment where our children see the value of following Jesus and loving him with all their hearts. And that's going to involve parents discipling their children to obey. Proverbs chapter 3. He writes, My son, do not forget my teaching, verse 1, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So he's talking to his son, a dad talking to his boy and saying, Listen, I need you... Keep, keep my commandments. Do as I say. Obey. Then chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, he says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not abandon. Don't forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me, and he said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. So here's Solomon, the wisest person to ever live, is instructing his kids, his boys, obey. He's discipling his children to obey their parents. Where did he learn that? He learned that from his dad. Who was Solomon's dad? King David, a man after God's own heart. So somewhere in that journey with King David and his son Solomon, King David said, listen, boy, it's important for you to obey. And so David taught his children Obey your parents. Solomon's teaching his children, obey your parents. Chapter 6, verse 20. Says this, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Again, he, he's saying this over and over and over again. Keep your father's commandment. He's discipling his kids to obey. And then chapter 7, verse 1 through 3. Again, he says, my son, Keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. 
Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. You see this theme, this repeated theme that he's expecting. This is an important truth. This is an important principle that this dad wants to get across to his kids to obey. Verse 3, bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. But it's not just in Proverbs where we see this instruction for children to obey their parents. Go with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. God is giving commandments to his people. And in Exodus chapter 20, we have that list, that famous list called the Ten Commandments. And in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, in all these commandments, now God takes a moment and he addresses children specifically. He said, he's, it's like he, he's kind of getting low, kneeling low. And he's like, all right, kids, here's something for you. And in verse 12, he says this. He says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So he looks at children and he says, you need to obey. You need to honor your mom and dad. And so mom and dad, when your children honor you, when they obey you, who also are they honoring and obeying? God. But when your children disobey and dishonor, who also are they disobeying and dishonoring? God. Because God has commanded, children, obey your parents. So when they disobey you, they're disobeying him. Say, well, that's the Old Testament, right? It's kind of an archaic law, archaic commandment. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. The Apostle Paul is writing. First century, he's addressing the church. Just kind of picture the Apostle Paul here with his living community on a Tuesday night or a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, whatever. And he's reading this letter and he's giving them some instructions and he sits them all down and maybe gathers the children in around him. And he says, hey, kids, I... I have something for you. And this is what he says. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So he goes back to the Old Testament, and he quotes the Ten Commandments here. In verse 3, he says, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. So here you see God instructing his people in the Old Testament, children, obey your parents. And then Paul repeats that in the New Testament to the church. Children, obey your parents. We also see Jesus as a child being submissive and obedient to his parents. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 42 through 52. Luke 2, 42 through 52. And when he, Jesus, was 12 years old, They went up according to custom, he and his family. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. It's like they left Jesus at church, right? I've been there, right? Don't know how that happened. sure it was a cultural thing. Anyway. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And Jesus says to his mom and dad, he says, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they didn't understand the saying that he spoke to them. And Verse 51, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. It means he was obedient to his earthly parents. 
And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. So Jesus, here on earth, he shows us what it looks like to live. What it looks like to live in relationship with other people. And God's expectation in in the way that we are to live, especially for children, is that children live in submission. They live in obedience to their parents. Jesus shows us this by his own example. Then if you go to John chapter 14, not only do we see here in Luke Jesus being obedient to his earthly parents, but in John 14, we see Jesus being obedient to his heavenly parent. John chapter 14, verses 30 and 31. He says, I will no longer talk much with you, talking to his disciples here, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do, this is Jesus speaking, I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So what do we see in these verses? We see Jesus in the Gospel of Luke being obedient to his earthly parents. Then Jesus here in the Gospel of John saying, I do as the Father has commanded me. I'm obedient even to my heavenly Father. Why? So that the world may know that I love the Father. So here, this is an important phrase because Jesus links obedience to expressing love. He's he's saying, one of the ways that I show people that I love my father is through my obedience to my father. And he's just echoing what he said several verses earlier in verse 15 of John 14. He says, if you love me, talking to his disciples, you'll what? You'll keep my commandments. And so what we see here is Jesus saying obedience is an expression of worship. Worship goes way beyond just singing songs and lifting our hands. It goes to the point to where you might be all alone and you choosing to do what God is, you, what you know God says to do in the moment when no one is looking. That's worship. Just as much it is, as it is singing and lifting our hands. Obedience is worship. It's a means of expressing our love to God. Jesus, I do this so that the world may know that I love him. And so obedience, Jesus ties obedience to expressions of worship and love. And so, kids, when you say you love Jesus and yet you're consistently disobedient to your parents, that doesn't add up. It's like saying you love the Cleveland Cavaliers but then cheer for the Golden State Warriors. You can't do that. That's just, you just can't. It's inconsistent. If we say we love Jesus yet don't live in obedience to him, that, then you're not really loving at all. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, we see the Apostle Peter write in his letter to the church. And look at how he describes God's people. Verse 13, 1 Peter 1, he says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to followers of Jesus, and he's relating to them. He's bringing them back to the relationship that they have with God as obedient children, as children. In verse 15, but as he called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, meaning if you have a relationship with God, and he is your father, and you are his child, And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, 
knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. What is Peter saying here? He's saying the right response, the natural response from someone who has been rescued from sin and brought into that relationship, that family relationship with God, the natural response is obedience. As obedient children, he's saying because the Father, you were in slavery, you were in sin, and the Father loved you so much that he came and he rescued you and bought you out of slavery and brought you into his home. And what was the price? the blood of his own son. And he says, when we get that, when we understand that, and we understand that relationship, the natural response is we want to be obedient, not to earn his love, because he's already given it to us, but to express our love for the love he has already given to us in Christ. And here Peter brings us back to our relationship with God as father and us as children. And he says, it's just kind of expected. Obedience is expected. And so when we put all this together, you look at God's commands in the Old Testament to his people. You look at the, the, the dad in Proverbs, Solomon. You look at Jesus' example as a child. You look at his teachings. You look at what Paul says in his letters. You look at what Peter says in, in his letters. It would seem then that if we want to create this environment for children to understand and see the value of following Jesus and loving him with all their hearts, then we must disciple them to obey. Why? Why? Psalm 119, verse 44 and 45. Go there with me. Psalm 119, verse 44 and 45. Why expect obedience? Mom, dad, why expect obedience from your kids? And why does God expect obedience from you, from me as his follower, as, as his child? Psalm 119, verses 44 and 45. The psalmist writes, I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I will walk in a wide place. Literally, that means I will walk in liberty. I will walk in freedom. Why? Because I have sought your commands. What's he saying here? He's saying when I obey you, when I do as you have commanded, I'm walking in wide places. I'm walking in freedom. And so the psalmist is connecting obedience to God and his word to you experiencing freedom. James said this, James chapter 1, verse 25, he says, anyone who looks in the perfect, into the perfect law, the law of what? Liberty, freedom. And not just hears God's word, but does God's word. So James is saying, similar to what the psalmist is saying, he's saying, God, there's freedom in God's word and living out God's word. And then Jesus in John chapter 8, he said, listen, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? It will set you free. And he who has the Son, he's free. And so here, why, why expect obedience? For your freedom. Freedom from shame, from guilt, from consequences that come from living outside of God and his word. 
And don't we see examples of this in Scripture? Think of Adam and Eve. When were they the most free? Before they believed the lie. Right? They were walking in relationship with God, perfect freedom. God had given this wonderful garden to enjoy. They had perfect relationship with him, with one another. God said, don't do this. One command, as long as you just live in that, live in relationship with me and live in my commands and do that, tons of freedom. But then the deceiver comes along and he says, hey, wait a second. I don't know if that's real freedom. I think real freedom might be you doing your own thing and not living under any authority. And what did they quickly find out? They found out that really, true freedom was living under God's leadership in relationship with him. And what they found out that was choosing to be in disobedience to God and his word, removing yourself from his authority and leadership, actually became deadly. And it brought all kinds of shame and guilt and consequences. So even Adam and Eve show us that we're most free when we're walking in relationship with God and in obedience to him. How about the prodigal son? We know that story, right? Luke chapter 15, he gets this idea, hey, I think I'd be better off if I, if dad, you just gave me my inheritance early and I'm going to go on my own for a bit. And so dad says, okay, so son receives the inheritance early goes out, squanders all his wealth, thinks that that's true freedom, but comes to a realization when he's lost it all that no real freedom was living back under the authority and love and leadership of my dad and under his protection. That's when I was most free. And so he returns home. And see, the enemy will get us to believe a lie, that lie. And he wants your kids to believe the lie that true freedom is having no restrictions. But we're all under someone's authority. It's who you choose to be under. It's whose authority you choose to be under. If I'm going to choose to be under God's authority, then we understand that that's, he has your best interest in mind. He knows. He knows that when you live outside of relationship with him, when your kids live outside of relationship with him, choosing to do their own thing, that that's when shame, guilt, consequences come. They're most free when they're walking in relationship with him and living in obedience to him. But the enemy will get us to believe a lie. And maybe that's some of your story. Maybe some of you know people. That's their story. Right? They thought that true freedom would be living outside of God and his word. And what they come, have come to realize that living in disobedience to God, that was slavery. Not freedom. Maybe that's you this morning. And maybe you're in that position. And maybe the spirit of God is impressing upon you right now. Come home. Come home and experience freedom and being clean by the power and the blood of Jesus. And so we see all this, that true freedom, right, comes from walking in relationship with God and his obedience. And it's kind of like this, this fish, all right?
All right? Teach your children. Expect obedience. Why? For their freedom. For their freedom. Why else? Why else should we expect obedience from our children? Go with me to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. And I want you to understand that this isn't just for, for kids. This is for us. God wants us to, to live in obedience to him for your freedom. To protect you from the shame and the guilt and the consequences that come from trying to live outside the water of his presence and his word. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Paul is writing to the church. And he says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Go down to verse 28. He continues, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, referring back to verse 18. And then he gives this list. So what's this look like, this unrighteousness? He gives some examples. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Do you see the list? Does that not, like, create some tension? You mean to tell me? You mean to tell me that those who are disobedient to the parents are on the same list as murderers? Haters of God? Slanders, gossips? Does that create tension in your soul? It does for me, if I'm honest. Why? Why, why are those who are disobedient to the parents in the same list? Because it's sin. Disobedience to parents is sin. God has commanded children obey your parents. So when your kids disobey you, you don't laugh at it. We don't ignore it. Jesus spilled his blood for it. So when you expect obedience, you're actually elevating the gospel and the value of Christ's blood on the cross when you expect obedience. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8. Philippians 2, verse 8. Paul writes here, and he's referring to Jesus, and he says, therefore God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Back up to verse 8, I'm sorry. And he says, and being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here we see Jesus' obedience to death on a cross. Listen, mom, dad, when you tell your child to come and they don't come, it's disobedience. It's sin. 
when you tell your child to stop biting or pinching, and they don't. It's sin. When your teenager breaks curfew, it's sin. It's sin. And you should expect obedience for their freedom. And you should expect obedience because Jesus died on a cross and spilled his blood to set them free and bring forgiveness for that disobedience. He was obedient to death on a cross. Why? Why go to the cross? Galatians 5.1. Memorize this next verse. Galatians 5.1. Paul writes, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Why did Jesus go to the cross? For freedom. To set you free from those chains of your sinful past, the chains of guilt, the chains of sin, the chains of fear. And when you surrender your heart to Christ, when your children surrender their heart to Christ, Jesus comes in and he sets them free. They're forgiven. They're free. And so we expect obedience for their freedom to protect them from the shame and the guilt and the consequences that come from trying to live in an environment outside of for which they were created. And we expect obedience because when they disobey, it gives us the opportunity to tell them why they disobeyed. Because they have sinful hearts. And because they have sinful hearts, they need to be rescued from sin. And then it gives you the opportunity to tell them about Jesus who came to rescue them from sin. And so we expect obedience to point them to Jesus and his rescuing love. And Jesus went to the cross to not just set our kids free from their sin, but to set you free from your sin and to set me free from mine. And so mom, dad, discipler, how do we create this environment where those we're discipling, where our kids see the value of following Jesus and loving him with all their hearts? Disciple them to obey. Not to earn God's love, but to point them to God and how he first loved them by sending his son Jesus to the cross. Expect obedience. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Do you believe that for your own heart this morning? Man, I've done some crazy stuff in my past that I'm not proud of. And the enemy tries to get me to link onto that and hold on to that. But I read this and I say, you know what? No, 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 no. Jesus Christ has set me free from that. I am most free when I am living in relationship with him and in obedience to him. You're free this morning. You're not dirty. You're clean if you know Christ. He set you free. So as we've talked this morning about obedience... As we've talked this morning about surrendering. Listen, when it comes to surrendering to Jesus, that's freedom. That's not restrictive. That's freeing. So as we talk about obedience this morning, talk about surrendering to him, we talk about Jesus' rescuing love, what, what is the Spirit of God impressing on you this morning? And as the band comes, and in a moment as we get ready to take communion, what is the Spirit of God impressing on your heart this morning?
Maybe he's impressing on you, you know what, I need, I've been inconsistent with expecting obedience with my own kids, and I need, I need to get back to being consistent with that. Maybe there's an area where you are living in disobedience to God this morning, and you need to confess that and repent of that and claim the blood of Jesus over that and allow him to set you free this morning and clean you. What's he, what's he saying to you this morning? Maybe you have a child or a grandchild or a friend who's been walking in disobedience. Man, your heart is just breaking for them this morning. And maybe as we take communion, maybe you just want to grab some people and pray for them. Maybe you want to come to the cross or you want to kneel and pray. But what's the Spirit of God impressing on you this morning? And as we take communion, as you take the bread and you dip it in the cup this morning, the bread reminding us of Christ's body and the juice reminding us of, of Christ's blood, man, celebrate. Celebrate the one who went to the cross so that you could be free, free from the chains of guilt and shame and death and fear and worry. Celebrate him. But as you also take communion, let it be just a... Let it represent your renewed desire to live and walk and surrender to him. Can we do that this morning? And when you come back, after you go through the line and take communion, if you just want to kneel and pray or you want to just sit and kneel and pray, whatever. You want to grab some people to pray, you do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to repent of some disobedience in your life. I had to do that this week as I was reading through this. I'm like, God... You're really bringing to surface something in my heart right now that I don't like. And I need to confess that to you. Maybe that's you this morning. But let us remember that Christ has bought us out of slavery and brought us into the family of God to set us free. God, we love you this morning. Holy Spirit, continue to speak to our hearts continue to just expose those areas where we've just pushed deep down to not try to have to deal with sin. Bring those to the surface right now, Holy Spirit, so that we can expose those, we can confess that, and leave it at the cross. God, I pray for those of us this morning, maybe we have kids, grandkids, friends who are just walking in disobedience. God, I pray that right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you awaken their heart to see that true freedom is walking in relationship with you, surrendering in obedience to you. Father, thank you for the bread. Thank you for the cup this morning as it reminds us that you sent your son to die on a cross to set us free, that we live and we walk in freedom this morning. And when you sense your heart is ready, church, and you're here in a follower of Jesus, you make your way to the table and celebrate this one who's purchased your freedom. Amen.